Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to ATL and 29, the podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. We're uh, doing a little bit of a reboot after an absence. Uh, my new co-host is going to be Tyler Jones. Welcome, Tyler. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Um, <laughs> this is new to me. I'm glad to uh, you know be a part of ATL and 29 and to you know help bring this podcast to the forefront of NBA Twitter. You know, and you know more than NBA Twitter, but I'm happy to be here. And uh, you know, let's let's get started. I'm, you know, I'm excited. Did I pronounce Tyler Jones right? Uh, it's hard to not pronounce it right. <laughs> it's a very basic name. Uh, so the only honestly, the only the only times it's either Tyler or Taylor. Uh, just because they when just I say read. Tyler, okay, like I I guess I have a type of uh, uh, an accent where maybe it sounds like an A instead of a Y, but it, you know, it's Tyler. Very boring first name, but uh, I'm not that boring of an individual. <laughs> no, you're not. And uh, we're a week away from the draft. Uh, it's a big draft for the Hawks. And it's a big draft because they have the third overall pick. And so what I wanted to do today, if it works out with you, is... Uh, to just kind of mock out these first few picks, but I want you to do it from two points of view. I want you to tell me as we as we All start right. from the top of the draft. I want you to tell me what you would do if you were the GM of each of these teams, and then I want you to tell me what you think that they're actually going to do when they make their picks. And so for our first pick, we've got the Phoenix Suns. What would you do if you were the GM of the Suns? Number one overall pick, um, I would just take Luka Doncic. It's uh, he's he's the best player in this draft. Uh, you know, it's been talked ad nauseum. If you're listening to this podcast, you've probably heard eighty billion other podcasts talk about how Luka Doncic's production in Europe is special, unique. He's going to win. He's probably going to win MVP of every league he's been in. Um, so EuroLeague and the ACB is probably going to win that one. I think he already uh, did. I think he's gotten everything except for Spanish Finals MVP. But I think he got both the right Yeah, ones. yeah. I, did, I actually didn't know he got – I didn't know he was ACB. And I, did, I guess I, I missed that one. But, you know, he's just a special basketball player. And he's special because he's 6'8". He's well over – like he's 230. And – he can dribble, pass, and shoot, and his passing is special. I would, you know, some would say it's not as good as Ben Simmons. I would actually disagree with that. I, I find, I mean, it's because Ben Simmons' primary game is to pass. Luca's looking to score and pass, but, you know, the type of, I mean, the type of scenes he makes on, like, the type of reach he's making on the pick and rolls are just, like, Basketball players just don't make these plays. Only the special ones do. And I mean, it's. It, I feel like he's he has the clearest path to me to being a coming a superstar in the NBA. Um, so I would just take him one, and uh, you know, and also trade Chris and Bender because, especially Chris. Maybe I'll hold on to Bender. I just, I, I, I personally can't stand Marquise Chris's game. Um, but I, this is not a Phoenix Suns podcast. So no, it's not. not. And, and uh, <laughs> we're not going to get too too in depth with those, with them. I, I'm with you. Yeah, I saw I saw Bender when he was here, you know, in person. And by seeing Bender in person, I mean I saw him pregame because he really doesn't play much in the games, and he's just so rigid. 
And I don't know, just watching him yeah. jump for his jump shot, like it's just it's not graceful. It was it just looked kind of painful and he had like huge ankle braces. It just I don't know. And and like yeah, it's upside had- based on youth, but you know, what upside can you have based on youth when you're twenty going on thirty? I mean he doesn't look he doesn't look or move like a young player. He he might he might be similar to Mike Muscala in that I, I think he's had ankle issues. Right. And until he gets those right, it's just gonna be hard for him to have a real impact in this league because he's just like I I thought he'd be better than this, but um or you know, more athletic, but he I don't know what happened. I think didn't he have sur- he might have surgery, but you know that's this here or there. Again, it's not a fun. Not podcast. a fun podcast. Okay, Doncic. all right. Doncic, so Doncic along with Devin Booker is really good combo. Josh Jackson, so, yes or no? We can move on. Is he is he in the? I mean, he he recovered. He recovered. Um, he was he was actually a decent you know rookie uh, around the last month and a half of the season. But I'm not impressed. Uh, he's just skinny. I think that's his biggest issue. He's not. He's just. He's skinny, and he's also not young. No, he's right? not. He's young. already exactly. He's gonna, yeah, he's going to be 21 next season. So he already is. Just, he's 21 in February. Oh, he. Is? Oh. Yeah, the upside. The upside is just not there with him to me. Uh, but he's. I mean, he's fine because uh, you know he's still a wing player. He can move his feet. He. He was just poor defensively, but you can always attribute that to youth. It's hard to knock young young basketball players for being bad defensively, but my my thing with him is just yeah, and a bad culture. Hopefully, a new coach and a new in an actual NBA system that uh, will heighten his strength and mask his weaknesses, um, which their new coach should be implementing. it should do well, wonders for his game. It'll simplify his approach. So he'll just be catch and shoot or catch and uh, attack closeouts and stuff like that. Um, really simplify his game instead of trying to do everything. Because that's like, I mean, that's what makes Doncic special because guys his size aren't supposed to be able to do everything with the ball in their hand. Jackson can't do it right now. Maybe one day he can develop that way, but it's just, it doesn't, I don't know. I, I, I just don't see it with him. So what do you think about Phoenix? Uh, I asked you what you would do if you were in charge of Phoenix. What do you think that they're going to do? They're going to take Aiden. He's the safest. I mean, GMs are cowards. And I don't blame <laughs> them for being cowards. If I were if I were in their position, I mean, I maybe I'd take Doncic, but, you know, they – it's hard to pet, like, I – you know, we may be going into a new age, but you you know, when you're seven feet tall and you move like eight and and you weigh over two fifty, easy. He's an easy two fifty. He probably could gain weight without losing any type of athleticism. Like he's all he's only been working out for a year and he already looks like the second coming of David Robinson physically. Does he have the footwork? He's just uh you know, he's special off I think he I think he has the upside to be as good as DeMarcus Cousins offensively. Wow. Um, it's just, he, he, he's got a decent, he's, he's got a decent feel. He's got a good feel for the game. Uh, he's not, he's not like, uh, you know, he has, unlike Bagley, he has a functional mid range jumper. Uh, he's not as physical as you would like him to be at the moment, but, you know, at the, he was playing the four at Arizona. There were some funky things going on. So he, like in the NBA, he's going to be diving more. Uh, he's going to be around the rim. He's an uber athlete. He's a, he's a special talent. There's there's a scenario where he ends up being, um, you know, uh, uh, not just a Hall of Famer, but one of the greatest big men of all time. That's that's the type of talent that he is. He's always been that type of talent uh, going back for three plus years now that you know guys like draft express and mike schmitz have been following him um but we'll see uh my issue with him is his defense you know again if you listen to this podcast you probably listen to multiple folks discuss his defense ad nauseum 
It's not great, but there's no reason physically why he can't be a great defensive big man. The question is why isn't he at the moment, and he wasn't as a prep player either, but with the proper coaching, there's no reason why he shouldn't be, you know, at least, at the very least, DeAndre Jordan levels are good. He sh- he has the talent to be the best defensive big man in the draft, but you know it's you know defense better defense than defense in the NBA. Jaron Jackson, you think he has more ahead. defensive potential than Jaron Jackson? He's bigger, you know. He's bigger, but and that's that, more that, like that, he's, he's I, only bigger like bulk wise. He's not bigger, and he's bigger height wise, but he's not bigger yeah. like wingspan wise. Yeah, he's bigger, but he's he's bigger. He's now. This is in the ideal scenario where all of a sudden uh, DeAndre Aiden fully applies himself into being okay, the best basketball player he can be. Right, right. On a pure talent level, just because he's a naturally going to be always above two fifty, like there's no reason why he can't be Dwight Howard defensively, uh, just on the physical where where. You know, Jackson Jackson is – like, Jackson weighed in at the combine at 230. So, if we're going to get into him because um, – spoiler alert, that's who I draft second, actually, if I were the uh, – who's the the, Kings. the Sacramento Kings. If, if Doncic isn't on the board, i just draft uh, Jaron Jackson. But Jaron, a big concern with him is that he's, you know, not a great rebounder. And he's not a great rebounder because he can be overpowered he was overpowered at the college level because he wasn't that big and he's not that strong. DeAndre Aiden is a dominant rebounder and he high points the basketball. (laughs) It's almost comical how he does it. It's very, it's, it's, it's fundamental. Like where, how he high points basketballs on rebounds to the point that I think he's doing on purpose to show off a bit, (laughs) but he's just, I mean, he's a, he's a, like he's a truly special athlete and talent. And GMs are like, okay, and this is what the Suns are doing. I, I imagine they're like, you know, he's seven foot, seven five wingspan, two hundred fifty pounds. He moves like a he he moves like like a Ford, you know, small Ford. And you know, we can coach him up. Like if we just if we can coach him up defensively, the offense is already there. He's going to be in a in a four out system uh, where he's not going to be playing the four ever. And now he doesn't have the defensive instincts. He'll never like I. Wait, I, what? That was when I'm when I say he doesn't have he doesn't have the defensive instincts of Jared Jackson. So when I was saying that Uh-oh. he could be, uh, he sh- like he can be just on physical talent alone. Yes, absolutely. But Jared Jackson's clearly the more um, defensively talented basketball player at the moment, just because of his feel for the game, something that Aiton doesn't have. And I don't think he'll ever get. That's why I don't have him at one or two on my board, but, um, you know, I, I don't know, but, okay. um, all right. So what do you we've, think we've, we're going down two alternate tracks here. So let's get back on the track of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we gotta, let's see. You told me that if you were the Kings GM, and Doncic yep. was off the board. You would take Jaron yep. Jackson Jr. But you know, in the yep. what's actually going to happen scenario, you think Aiton goes one. So if Aiton goes one, yep. uh, who do Vlade Divac and company pick at two? They're going to take Doncic, and if they're not going to take Doncic, maybe they trade down. I don't believe this. There's a lot of smoke going on in this draft. It's, in that there's just a lot of conflicting reports where I, I personally just don't believe Don, in a world where Doncic is not going to be a top two NBA draft pick. Um, so you think if the I, Kings like, trade I'm, down, it's somebody trying to move up and pick Luca, or trying to move up and pick someone else? Yeah, they're trying to move up to pick Luca, okay. but uh, I, I don't see why the Kings won't. I, I just, like it doesn't make much sense to me why the Kings won't take Doncic at two. They need, they need, they need a playmaker. Uh, they don't. I mean, the the Kings are just, you know, they're a struggling franchise. They don't have. They have a bunch of young guys with mismatched 
you know, talents that don't necessarily go together. Right. I feel like if you draft Doncic, he'll do he'll do so much just to help them have an identity and a foundation. Whereas if they pick um, Marvin Bagley or um, I mean even Jaron Jackson or you know if they pick one of these bigs or if they pick you, you know it just like they they won't they still they'll be the same they'll be the same Sacramento Kings they've been for the last twenty or ten plus years where they don't really have a fa- I mean they had cousins but he's another topic for another day where they, you know, they, they just don't, they won't have a foundation and like they, they'll be stuck in the same wheel of mediocrity until they get somebody who can, you know, just, just give them some polish that I feel like skill wise, Doncic would just do so much for their team. Like he'll, he'll make, he'll make the lives of all their young guys better just because he knows how to play basketball and he's his basketball IQ is off the charts. And they just need somebody who, who can just be, just be a professional. Now that, that you'll get that out of a 19-year-old speaks to how poorly the organization, you know, the Kings have been ran for the past decade or so. But I mean, that's that's what they need. They don't need another big who has defensive issues. Which you know, the rumors out there are saying that you know maybe they have Bagley high on their list. Oh. I feel like I feel like it's a lot of it's a lot of reporters are trying to dog uh, the Kings front office just because of their inexperience and and you know it's a it's an easy clickbait clickbaity you know headline <laughs> to be like hey we're gonna they're gonna they're, yeah the Kings are gonna, are the team that are gonna take Marvin Bagley because of reasons I, I i it logically it just doesn't make sense for them to not take Doncic, but you know they're plugged in so it could be true i, I may be giving the kings too much credit here but i i i, I refuse to believe Doncic is going to be there at three at the hawks because i mean that'd be a dream scenario but uh i don't think that's happening all right so uh let, let's let's finally get to the hawks here and go back to our two tracks so uh in your track if you were in charge of each team, you said you would take Doncic one, you would take Jaron Jackson mm-hmm. Jr. two. If those two players yep. are gone, who are you taking for the Hawks at three if those two are off the board? Uh, I guess you can have eight then. Taking <laughs> yeah. This, this scenario is never happening in reality because <laughs> I'm higher on Jackson than Aiden. You know, that's, that's a, it's a very, it's a very, very, very much uh, 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 NBA Twitter take to have Jaron Jackson be the best big in the draft, but I, you know, I feel that he is. But uh, I, mean, I think that he is just kind of be, because of the way I, the game is played, right? I mean, it's just a different, a different yeah. style. I think what other teams are saying is that DeAndre Ayton is just so naturally talented; it's hard to not. It's it, the bust potential is really low with Aiden. Sure. I, I feel like regardless of what he's going to be at the NBA level, he's going to be a productive basketball player. Where there are scenarios where Jackson, um, though unlikely, is just a bad bad on offense. You know, just he 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 doesn't know his shot his shot doesn't come together, and he doesn't know where to be on the floor because of you know it it just happens sometimes sometimes guys just don't develop the way you project them to be um for whatever reason jaron jackson isn't as athletic as i'd like for him to be but i I think he's fine but compared to when you're comparing him to ayton or bagley he's not he's not in the same stratosphere though as those two um he's more of a he's more of a carl towns this athlete where Right. Yeah, he can move his feet, um, but vertically, vertical spacing, space. He's probably not the vertical spacer that you'd like, uh, but um, so it's going to come down with Jackson his skill development offensively. Now we're getting on another track, but spoiler: <laughs> like Jaron Jackson, who I think the Hawks are going to take at three. Okay. Um, just, so you're saying if if uh, to to revisit that track, you're saying. 
if Aiton goes one and Doncic goes two, then it'll be Jaron Jackson? Yeah, he's the most talented player available. I think he's, you can make a, I, you know, you can make an argument. He's probably the best player available at that point at three. I have him two on my board. So, you know, I just take him and not think about it. Granted, if you followed me on Twitter, you would know I have gone back and forth with him, Bagley, and then a sprinkle of Trey Young just when I'm feeling I've seen I'm the Trey Young. Super sad We're going to have to go there in the a little bit, but... Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's a. I could. You, you know, there's really <laughs> not that much separating. There really isn't much separating any of these guys except me personally. I just feel like Doncic is on another, another level than the rest of the Americans put it like that okay. but it's really not much separating Ta- on a talent level you know this this second tier of basketball player to me maybe you can have Jackson a bit higher just because his defense is already there I will say though a concern with him is that he is weak um, he has to get stronger because he was getting pushed around at Michigan State Right. And they are a lot bigger in the NBA. So, <laughs> but you know, he's so, he's so young. He's on a, it's going to happen. He's got the frame for it. Sure. That ultimately like the reason why I've flipped, like if you, if you follow me, I flipped from back from Bagley to Jackson and, you know, Trey Young as well is that his body, I think has the clearest chance of just filling out sure. and, the other, the other two have real frame concerns. Uh, Bagley, with his noted wingspan that we actually don't know how long his his uh, arms are, but he 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 just he he looks like a like his his body type is not of a center, but he is a center, so he's gonna it's going to be tough for him uh, on the defensive end. And Trey Young is just he's just uh, he's small. You know, he's gotten a lot – he's gotten – apparently he's gotten stronger, and you can see that he's gotten stronger from Oklahoma, but – He said he added you know, 10 when pounds. You're, when you're that – which, you know, I'll believe when he steps on a scale and it shows that he, you know, <laughs> gained 10 pounds. But I, I don't – like, I don't know. You've been at the beat a lot longer, but, you know, I used to play sports too, and I used to like to tell people that I gained 10 pounds uh, after – working out for a whole summer, but I, I just don't buy it. No, I stood next uh, to him but, yesterday. Uh, he, he's not a large person. No, but but he is he, he has gotten stronger, which is important because he did wear down at Oklahoma, and that's that's the bigger concern with Trey Young. Uh, I know we're going all over the place. That's but, fine. You know, it's with, the draft. There's a lot of ways yeah, to go. But, uh, yeah, with, with Trey, with Trey, he's just – on the one hand, I could totally see the Hawks taking him at three. I wouldn't. I, I would. I wouldn't mind it uh, personally. Uh, I think he'd be exciting. He'd. Uh, they. He's more inter- like he's functionally more entertaining to watch than any of the bigs, and he might uh, only Doncic. Only Doncic is more exciting just because he's bigger, and uh, he's probably going to be better. But Trey Young. Trey Young, I mean, he's going to his rookie season. He probably going to have a night where he's just not missing anything from three from any range. Brandon Jennings, fifty-five points. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except you know, he he can actually shoot. Uh, so you know, it's not it won't be any regression for him. But he's going like Trey Young's going to go. Trey Young's going to get drafted to a bad basketball team. He's going to be their that team's number one option. And he's going to have games where he lights it up because that's the type of shooter that he is. He's 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 an elite shooter. There, um, if you listen to a Dunked On podcast, they actually did a little scouting report on Trey Young, and they noticed that while you know Trey had a thirty six percent, he only shot thirty six percent from the shorter three point line. Right. Trey Young was taking threes. J- Trey Young took like. A t- over a hundred threes from beyond NBA three point range. For sure, we're, I'm talking about beyond even Steph Curry range, where he was just gunning from half court basically, <laughs> and he shot. He only shot point. He, but, I mean, it's true. Yeah, I mean the tape does show it, and he's, you know, he shot like 29 percent on those terrible threes, which he does need to cut from his game. Steph Curry doesn't even take those threes anymore. But um, 
you know, he's got – he's an elite catch-and-shoot guy uh, at the NBA level. You're not, he's not going to have the ball in his hands as much as he did at Oklahoma. Oklahoma was a very talent-deprived basketball team. They needed Trey Young to take those shots. They needed Trey Young to do everything for them offensively. Um, at the NBA level, he's going to have more talent. So at the very least, you can he could hand the ball off to somebody else and run around screens and pop open for three or and have gravity that way. He's going to offensively. I I, I I'm comfortable in saying I feel like if the shot translates, which I think it will, whether I don't know if he'll if he'll make threes off the dribble, but off the catch, I think he's going to be one of the best in the NBA. So. And you can run an you can run a team where you know he's not your primary. If and if you can configure a team where he's n- not necessarily your primary ball handler, if you know the the off the dirt dribble three isn't there, then you can you can you can find somebody else to do that. Uh, Trey Young's issues are notably defensively. Uh, at Oklahoma, a lot of it was to me he didn't try. I I did like his instincts in the passing lanes, but. There's only so much you can do when you're that small, uh, unless he's going to be, unless he's going to really get into it defensively, he's just going to be bad. Uh, and, but if you're drafting him in the lottery, you don't, you know, he's a point guard, his defensive, you, you, I don't know, it's hard with him. I, I love it, personally love his game. There's a, there's a part of me that really hopes the Hawks do draft him just because again, he's going to be exciting. And the Hawks, the only time they were exciting was the 61 season. You know, you can be a fan of this team and also admit that that 61 team was the only time they maybe um, 08, 09 that year when they were, after they made it to the playoffs, they, they won 50 games or something like that. They were actually pretty fun to watch with Jamal Crawford, I think his first year, whatever Jamal Crawford's first year was. They were actually, you know, interesting, entertaining to watch. Sure. You know, the Hawks, I love this team, but they're pretty boring. They've always been boring. Love Al Horford. He's a boring basketball player. I get the jokes, but Trey Young would be thrilling to watch. He'd, he's probably going to be a liability defensively, but, hey, man, who cares about that if he's draining 10 threes? And, you know, that that means something. Like, fans – Fans want to see, you know, NBA is an entertainment product. Right. And if Trey Young's going to be entertaining, I could, like, I could see a scenario where, where, uh, Schlank, where, uh, you know, Tony Wrestler steps in and he's like, hey, who's going to, like, who do you project to be more exciting? Who's going to be a superstar? And when I mean superstar, not necessarily even have a superstar impact like a, uh, you know, a LeBron James, but a superstar in a way that, Carmelo Anthony was a superstar for the majority of his career. A headliner. Where you can have argued, yeah, yeah, a headliner, a true headliner, a guy who's going to show up on Sports Center, who's going to, you know, make the rounds on on uh, the media circuit because he's entertaining to watch. He's going to sell sell out arenas because he's going to throw up a fifty point game. He's going to have multiple fifty point games in the season, and that's what fans are interested in. They're interested. They're not interested in you know bigs that can switch out and defend one through five, <laughs> you know, and do the right thing every play and be a better basketball player, like for better or worse. I mean, they'll be interested if they're winning, of course, but if they're not, you know, I, I don't know. Like, Trey, I mean, he was, he was the most exciting. Trey Young for two months was the most exciting thing in all of basketball, NBA and college. Like his games were must watch. And, there's going to be a stretch of games in, in the NBA either next season or, like, one of these seasons. I feel like he's just going to light it up. And that's going, that's going to be a tough sell for the, the teams that pass on him that are, you know, struggling, struggling uh, in the attendance department, like the Hawks are, to pass on a guy who's, I mean, who's going to, man, like, I could totally see a scenario where Trey Young is the biggest thing in Atlanta for a month or two. Right. And that's, I don't know, but, um, it's hard to pass up. I, I personally, yeah, my, my head, my head and my heart, both Tony Jackson, uh, if we can get back to him for one more second, he's, 
he's got the he's got the advanced metrics on his side. He's got the age. He's got the you know he's got the height, weight, wingspan. You he doesn't have to wait yet, but he'll get there. His only his worst attribute right now is his rebounding. I feel like that'll get better with size and just getting more comfortable with his body. Apparent reading some stuff about him. Apparently, he's a late bloomer. Uh, he wasn't really. He wasn't really a big until his sophomore or junior year of high school. So, and he's really young. He he'll be 19 for the entirety of this upcoming season. Like he he won't turn 20 until sometime in September next year. So that, I mean, you combine that plus his production and his three point shot, which if you think it's real, will be a weapon at the next level if he can attack closeout. Um. That that's the thing. That's the thing with uh, bigs that can shoot. If they if they can't attack, if they can't put the ball on the floor and get to the rim and make a play, then it's nice that they can shoot a three. But it's it's not as valuable as you know we all like to think. Right. Um, Mike, I, I find Mike Muscala to be the biggest example of that. Who you know is good for his role and is a good NBA basketball player, but teams aren't selling out on Mike Muscala, like they'll close out on him and he can't really attack that close out. And so then it's, it's just, it's just easy to contest that shot. And, and since your big is going to be not going to be in the offensive rebounding zone, uh, cause he's hanging out beyond the three point line, you know, that, that's just the opportunity for the other team to grab, grab and go and push and transition on you, which is the most efficient, uh, offense of all of NBA. So there's, there's a cost, cost uh, analysis that I don't think we do uh, when we're saying, well, when, when NBA teams are just giving up offensive rebounding opportunities by, you know, playing bigs that aren't good rebounders. I think there, you know, um, I think there might be value in a team uh, if you can, and this is why you, if, if you're the Hawks, if you draft Bagley, you want to go against grain a bit. Because, you know, Bagley and Collins, people say they won't go together. I disagree. I find that their athleticism, they'll just overwhelm the majority of the NBA with their athleticism on both ends of the floor uh, to the point that, you know, there are scenarios where they're just going to out-athlete teams and win games that way. Uh, the Hawks did it in, <laughs> for the entirety of the Josh Smith-Al Horford era where – Al Horford, Josh Smith, and Marvin Williams were just more athletic than the front line of the other team. And while they weren't great rebounders, they just did everything else so well, and they switched so well, and they did a lot of things where they were just they were just the more talented basketball team, the more athletic basketball team. Yeah, they could and do things like run the run that four five pick and roll. Yep, yep, for lobs, and you can do that with Bagley. You can also do that with Jackson if if the passing is if he can get his skill up there. He didn't show that at Michigan State, uh, but with Bagley, I think there's some untapped uh, perimeter skills that he has. I find his transition game to be severely underrated uh, by the draft folks. There's a there is a there is a scenario where he's a dominant transition force because he can grab the rebound and push it off the break and finish. Um, so. Like you know, four or five pick pick and rolls with Bagley and Collins would be a real weapon in the at the NBA level. But uh, you know, again with with Bagley, he it's not necessarily his wingspan. It's just how how like slight his shoulders are. Right. Like he has like his arms are not big at all. Right. Uh, he's very he's very skinny. He has the body of a small forward. Like, and it's just but his game is very much. He, he right now he's a center. Uh, if he can get his skills up to being a good power forward, then maybe you have maybe he he'll give you the two way production you need to be considered a real superstar. Right. But offensively, um, offensively, I think he's even more talented than Aiden, uh, just because of the type of athlete that he is. He might be. He might day one be the best athlete in the NBA. Uh, he's just—I mean, it's the, some of the stuff. The, his body control is unreal uh, for any for any uh, basketball player, and he's he can dribble. Uh, he can't dribble, you know, 
when I say he can dribble, I mean he can tack a closeout and he can, you know, push the ball off off the off into a fast break without having to give it up. And that's a real advantage uh, that a team would have in transition if you have that type of basketball player. But defensively, like it's just not there for him, and he's also been severely undercoached in his in his uh, basketball. Uh, he got career. to play zone. I I don't want to I don't want to get into I don't want to get into Duke and how Coach K consistently doesn't coach his one and doneers to you know be good defensively. So, but I, but with him, it, it was even worse than it usually is, and. I mean, I, I don't. It, it just it doesn't make sense that uh, a team that had two lottery uh, caliber big men be that bad defensively, uh, regardless of their perimeter talent, who are all going to be NBA basketball players as well. Like that Duke team makes no sense to me. I I don't understand what I like. Again, Coach K. I've said this on Brad's podcast. I'll say here, Coach K is just a regional manager for Nike. Uh, so. He kind of stopped coaching a couple years ago. Uh, also, I am a um, side note. I am a Chapel Hill fan, uh, Tar Heels. So oh, maybe I'm a bit biased. Maybe I'm, I might be a bit biased. I don't think so because I've watched. I've been frustrated with how Coach K just he he's he sacrificed his coaching for getting more talent, and I don't know. It's whatever. But uh, those that's basically it. Can I take you back to Trey Young for a second? Yeah, yeah. I still have two questions. Uh, but first, you know, I asked him yesterday if he talked to uh, Lloyd Pierce at all about Steve Nash uh, because Pierce and Nash played together at Santa Clara. And here's what he said. You said you spent some time talking to Coach Pierce last night. He played in college with mm-hmm. Steve Nash. Did that come up at all? Yep, it did. It did. You you, you can definitely bet on that that it came up. Uh Told me a lot of a lot of stories about Steve, and um, I've been in contact with Steve throughout this process, and being able to talk to him and, and pick his brain and different things like that. So we we got some stories to talk about last night. So my first question with with Trey Young is this: um, He led the NCAA in assists. Does he have that kind of passing chops? Is that for real? And and over the course of the season, did his production change just based on how? teams covered him defensively? Uh, to answer the first question, absolutely he has the passing chops. He's the he he's got all the tools in, in the tool shed as a passer. He can make that uh he can make that one handed cross court pass to the corner, which is what you have to be able to do if you want to be an elite perimeter player in the NBA today. So like he he's a special like he, he has some he'll throw the ball ahead if 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 a uh, guy's streaking uh, on the fast break, he'll pinpoint um, passes, bounce passes, one-handed, both-handed. He's got it all. Um, the issue with him is the turnovers because maybe, like, you know, he's, again, not that big. So it's very easy to deflect balls. I think he can see a lot of passes, but he might not be able to get them all out there just because of his size deficiency. Right. And – the second part is I don't think teams weren't playing him differently. I, I find that I find that notion like, oh, Trey Young got found out. That's why he wore down. He just stopped making shots as much as he used to. Okay. Uh, that, that's the truth of the matter. Is Oklahoma was a talent deficient team. Team like after the first month of, after the first like, even two or three weeks of college basketball or you know caliber of games or whatnot, like teams were trapping him because they knew Oklahoma didn't. I mean, Oklahoma just didn't have a secondary anything on that team. Trey Young had to do everything. And I think what – and, you know, he was still making the right play. Uh, he'd get the ball out of his hands and, you know, run to the corner and hit an open three on a few folks. Um, I, I don't think Trey Young got found out at the college level. I do think he just physically wore down. He's, he was, he was, he's not big. And I think, I mean, his usage percentage was in like 38% at (laughs) Oklahoma. That's something he's not, that's not a low he's going to be able to sustain at the NBA level. He couldn't do it at college. He wore down. Um, But, you know, 
that's and that and that's the big concern with him. You know, and I you know I said it before, like you know, hopefully he did gain those ten pounds. Um, personally, I just want I, less than the weight. I hope he gets stronger uh, physically, just so he can hold up because you know teams are going to beat him up. They beat up Steph Curry. They beat up Dame Lillard. Uh, they beat up John Wall. The difference between those three guys, those guys are bigger. Uh, you know, Steph Steph Curry. You know, people don't think he's that big, but he's a legit six three, right? Absolutely, he might not a have huge the difference. Man, yeah, and that's and that's. I mean, the difference between six three and and what Trey Young is is what six one. Yeah, he's like, he's more massive. like Brandon Jennings size than he is Steph Curry size. Yeah, yeah, and that. And I mean that, and that was brand. You know, that's been Brandon Jennings' issue more or less is his size. Once his shot did stop falling uh, for Brandon, you know, it it just got hard for him because he couldn't. He didn't have the, you know, he didn't have the athleticism to finish at the rim. That's some. That's a major concern with Trey Young. He was a poor finisher in college. Now you can say he's going to have more space in the NBA. That's fair. The counter is that. Uh, he's not that athletic, you know. He's not a he's he's not Dennis Schroeder athletically, right? You know, right. compare him to somebody in Atlanta. Uh, I think he's quicker than people give him credit for. And he's very skilled. Like his ball skills are unreal for somebody his age. Uh, he like the the fouls, the type of fouls he was drawing in college were different than the the standard just run into a big and you'll get the foul call. Like he was doing stuff where. He was just—he was basically doing James Harden like stuff, where he was—he was baiting folks into fouling him, and then he was, then he was um, getting the shot up. So, I think I think his ability to draw fouls at the NBA level—I uh, think that will translate. If it doesn't, it's a difference between him being a superstar and him just being an okay, you know, basketball player. Is getting to the foul line just due to the fact that I don't think he'll ever be able to finish at the rim. Uh, so, it, you know, when his jump shot's not falling, he's going to it's going to be a real tough night for him. And that's what it was at Oklahoma. I don't see how that's going to change at 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 the NBA level with better defenses. So, sure. that's if if you want if that's why I mean, that's why he's such a polarizing player because, man, if he's not if he's not you know, if he he has to be at least Dame Lillard good as a as a shooter. If he's not that, and Dame Lillard is. He, while Dame Lillard is not Steph Curry, you know he's he's the next he's in the tier same down. Zip code, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, right, right. He, he so like it's he's got to be that good, and that and that's rare. That's rare, but you know he did it at Oklahoma. Um, we'll see if he can do it at the NBA level. That's a, that's a real risk a team would be taking if you draft him at three. That's sure. why a lot of mock, a lot of you know source the source reporters, which is what I'm not. Right, I'm just. Right. I'm, I don't trust that. I don't trust source a, reporters nowadays, just because it's the it's the season yeah. for deceiving. Yeah, we talked about the smoke screen stuff, but you know, even with all that, like the informed draft guys would be like, "Hey, you can't, you know, why you can't take Trey Young at three? You you can probably get him at five or six, just just due to the fact that these bigs are special. Uh, while they might be flawed, their talent." the talent level is of NBA all-stars. So you're going to be passing up. Like there are scenarios where the first, you know, even going past the guys we've talked about, even Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter could all be an all-star, multiple all-time all-star big men. Uh, While that that may not be as valuable as it used to be, um, you know, it's still value. You're still getting a good to great basketball player. Um, and they're all of those guys' bust potential is relatively low compared to Trey Young, who's, um, you know, Brad Rowland over at uh, P Street and Locked On. He's talked about this multiple times where there's a scenario where Trey Young doesn't make it past his first contract in the NBA just because, you know, he could be Brandon. I mean, he could be what Brandon Jennings is now. That's, you know, you brought you brought Brandon Jennings up. I, I didn't even <laughs> me, but, you know, just a guy who, if the shot doesn't fall, you know, while the passing might be there, the defense isn't, right. and he can't finish at the rim. It's just hard. it's just going to be hard for him. He'll just be, you know, toiling around for teams on minimal contracts. Uh, I don't see that for Trey. Um, I do think the shot is legitimate, 
And if if he can make off the dribble three pointers that he did, the ones he was making in Oklahoma, you know that that breaks the defense. There's no way to defend that. Right. The NBA does not. The NBA does not have a functional way to to guard um, guys who can dribble and shoot. You know, deep threes. It, it's just. You know, you got to trap the guy, and if you're trapping him, all of a sudden we got an advantage because it's a four-on-three situation if he gets the ball to the big or to somebody else and they make the next pass. So that's why you would draft – I would be like if if you feel like Trey Young is going to be a superstar offensive talent, I'd take him at three. If you don't, you know, I I wouldn't. I'd draft the big, and I – I don't think I don't think he's going to be Steph Curry or Dame Lillard. Um, he just to me he doesn't have the size. It'd be it'd be rare for somebody his height and weight, his his credentials to be a great NBA basketball player. But there's a scenario where he's as good as Kimball Walker is right now. That's right. That's I you know I take I would take Kimball Walker at three. But if Kimball Walker is your high end upside compared to these other you know these you know superstar talented bigs. You know, I, you, you can't, you, you just can't justify taking him at three. Like, right. I, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, <clears throat> now. Kemba Walker know, would. We're just got. Oh, I was just going to say Kemba Walker would fix things for a lot of teams. Like if you put him on Cleveland, he fixes a lot of things. You put him on Milwaukee, he fixes a lot of things. But you make him the centerpiece and, you know, you're a mediocre team. Yeah, it's, it's I mean. Like you, if you put him on Atlanta, right? That that would assume that Dennis, you'd have to find something for Dennis because you just can't, just can't have can't have a situation with two young point guards, starting caliber point guards, um, coexisting. Jeff T. Dennis Schroeder, it worked for a time, but there was, you know, there was clear tension, um, not necessarily between the players, but just because you know guys want to be the man and. Uh, so you, you don't want you don't want to put Trey a rookie Trey Young nineteen year old nineteen year old in a situation where you know he has to you know handle that emotionally. Uh, ideally, you want to put him in a situation where he's going to have the ball in the hand most of the time. So Dennis would be gone. Um, I actually like him in Atlanta because I find the Hawks to be more talented than uh, national uh, NBA Twitter gives them credit for, especially with Tony Prince being a, a a great catch and shoot three point shooter and John Collins, the vertical spacer that Trey Young would love to play with. I, I find that Trey Young will open up a lot of avenues for the Hawks. Right. It's just that, you know, that that said, that's just two guys. They sure. don't, they just don't have the, the other talent. Jaron, I find that Jaron Jackson to be more talented than Trey Young. So you just take, uh, best talent available because the Hawks as of now, the Atlanta Hawks aren't in a situation where they can draft for need. Right. Right. Uh, They just, they, you know, for better or worse, they, they, they lack uh, the young all-star, multiple all-star talents on, you know, currently on the roster right now, you can see uh, John Collins. uh, I'm super high on John. Well, wait a minute. Let's backtrack a second. So let me ask you this. Oh, go ahead. Just as a quick philosophy, is it a good idea to draft for need? <sighs> it depends, right? Because I guess it would depend on the type of team that you have. Okay. So what if you're or, a lottery you team? Know, while they're, if you're a lottery team, I mean, it depends on the caliber of lottery, lottery team. That you are. If you're the say, I mean, but but I mean, let's say you're the uh, who's in the lottery? Not the Nuggets. Um, not the Grizzlies. I don't. The Nuggets. Um, are you looking for a good team or a no, bad team? Let's take let's take the let's take the Bulls for example, right? Okay. Uh, let's say you're the Bulls. You know, you have some. You got Laurie Markkinen, um, and you know maybe you don't need a big. You know, Wendell Carter might be there. I you but. You really have a need for a good two-way wing player. Maybe you you reach for Kevin Knox, who I find to be undervalued in this draft. Or maybe you take Mikael Bridges because you know he's going to be a good NBA basketball player. 
just because your team's a little bit further along, you don't really have that huge need for a big. You know, there's a, you can you can talk yourself like anybody can talk themselves into anything. There's pros and cons for every decision for each of these guys. Um, but I don't know it. That's such a that's such a hard question. Okay. Um, for the Hawks, for example, like their biggest need is perimeter talent, but I'm advocating for them to take a big. You know, in either scenario, whether you know if Jaron Jackson's not there, I'm asking them to take DeAndre Ayton or Marvin Bagley over Trey Young, just because they're the more talented basketball player. And while Trey Young might be more exciting, he's just not. He's he's six feet tall, and if if Trey Young, were, I feel like if Trey Young were two inches taller, and this draft weren't wasn't so deep and good big men, you know, you're going to whoever the Hawks get at three is going to, like, if they draft a big, it's going to be a good big man. Um, and it's just, you know, that's, that's a difficult, that's a difficult proposition to, to, you know, put your chips into Trey Young. Cause Trey Young will, will get you fired if he busts. <laughs> like that, that, that's the, that, I mean, that's, that's the reality. You know, you take Jaron Jackson and he's just, you know, it's hard to see him busting, right? Because he's going to be – you feel like you're comfortable in saying, hey, he's going to be good good enough defensively where he's going to get another contract. Right. But Trey Young, you know, his his bust potential is minimum contract guy or, you know, he's toiling around in Europe. That That's just – and, you know, you got to weigh those outcomes for each individual uh, lottery talent. And, you know, so – but – for a lottery team, like if you're if you're as talent deprived as I know, I've, you know if you're as talent deprived as the Hawks, you can't really afford to not take best talent available. Right. Um, that's why, you know, it's just that you can't build a team that way. You know, the Hawks. While the Hawks have multiple draft picks, the difference makers are in the lottery. You know, and especially top three. So. You know, get the most talented guy and build your team around that guy. Um, because as is, the, there's only right now, currently constructed right now yeah. on the next great Hawks basketball team. There's only two guys you can see being on that team. That's Torian Prince and John Collins. Everybody else, maybe they get there, maybe they don't. But you know, as currently constructed, the Hawks just don't have many. They only have two guys. And you can't really call them foundational pieces. At the moment, they project to be role players. Sure. And like I said before, I'm hired on John Collins. I think he's, I think he has, he has star athleticism and star talent, but it depends on his skill development. Um, but you know that that's me being a super homer as a Hawks fan. <laughs> uh, All right. So you said um, but, you said a minute you ago think? you said that the Hawks, their biggest need is is talent on the wing. Yeah, okay. not necessarily on the wing, just perimeter talent. Got a, a playmaker. They need a playmaker. They need the playmakers. Way. Okay. I was just going to ask you then, you know, if you look across the league, for how many teams would you say that the biggest need is a playmaker? Basically every team that didn't make it to the playoffs, right? As, okay. as, and that's just starting at the baseline. Or you know, for better or worse, it. I mean, even the even the Hornets with Kimball Walker, they could use another playmaker, right? Wouldn't right. It, I, that's why they that's why they paid. Uh, I am now blanking on Batum's name. Yeah, Nick Batum. That's why they paid him max money because they needed another playmaker, and he's not. You know, he's not that. He's not worth his contract, but in a scenario where. He's as good, ideally as he's good if he's as good as he was. That's the co- type of basketball player that every team needs, and that's not a special basketball player. That's just a guy. Um, look at Utah Jazz. Um, why am I blanking on basketball players who I've watched extensively? Uh, the Australian uh, math teacher Exum. Oh uh, no, Joe Ingles. No, 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 Joe Ingles. Yeah, how did I forget Joe Ingles? I mean, Joe Ingles is just a role player. But he can pass and he can shoot, and he makes the right reads. Like every every NBA basketball team needs that playmaker. Right. Um, so like how many like they I mean, all need him? 
Like pretty much every single team yeah, yeah, could yeah. take another one of those guys. Every the Warriors need one. Sure. <laughs> I mean, outside of when Steph Curry isn't running that offense, it just bogs down into Kevin Durant uh, isos until Andre Iguodala uh, shows up and gets them to run the NBA, you know, the best offense in NBA history. Sure. So the Rockets could use always use some more playmakers. Uh, every team needs one. If you don't have one, like the Magic have not had a good point guard, perimeter player since Jameer Nelson. And like they're they're they've been they've been they they've they've been worse than what their talent would indicate because they've had talented basketball teams but right. they don't have the guy who can put it all together. They don't have they don't have the guy to connect all their mismatched pieces. That's why, sure. you know, you see the Kings struggle have, have been struggling even with the Marcus Cousins was you know, they just didn't have that they didn't have that focal point offensively who could get who could just make the easy play for the rest of the team. So, and you know, the, the most valuable basketball players in the NBA are the superstar playmakers. So I, you know, that, that's what, you know, you could say that's what basically every team in the NBA needs, but that's, that's just, that's just what the NBA is now, you know, post because of the various rule changes, you know, post up play just isn't as valuable. You, You need guys who can, break a defense down and make the right read. Uh, and the Hawks have, have needed that since, I mean, the Hawks have needed a superstar caliber NBA player since Dominique Wilkins, but they, they've needed a, uh, they've needed a good playmaker, you know, better than Jeff Teague and Dennis Rue who are fine. Right. They're, right. they're, they're good starter caliber NBA, but you need special. Right. And, and you multiple. That's what the Hawks need. Yeah, and they need and you need multiple guys. That's why it's a good thing the Hawks have a lot of have four draft picks in the top thirty four uh in this draft because they, they just need to take they need to take as much shots at you know shots at the hoop. I I'm losing my metaphor now. It's it's really hot. So <laughs> side note, uh for uh the uh folks listening to this uh, me ramble, the AC is broke. Broken oh. at my new domicile. Welcome back and to Atlanta. It's it's you know yeah yeah yeah. So it, I, I I've I've forgotten the humidity here is death. Uh, so I have been cooking uh, up here for a good for this whole day since I'm doing you know some other stuff or whatever. But uh, it's hot, and I, I hopefully the uh, the repair guys come through tomorrow and you know, fix it because uh, <laughs> it's it's uncomfortable but um to get back on track no no we don't need like, to get back on track know, that's good that's good i have one more question for you but uh you ready ahead. why are you mm-hmm. doing this i i haven't informed you this to this point but i'm not going to pay you for this because there's no budget for this so so why do you want to <laughs> do this why do you want to be a part of this podcast why are you masochist like that well you know no, I wouldn't even say it's a mess. You know, <laughs> uh, let me. It's fun, right? Sure. You know, talking, talking with people you like about you know random topics, and this hawk, the Hawks and the NBA as a whole happens to be one of my passions. And it's you know, you know, it's fun. It's something you can lose yourself into. As if you're listening to this podcast at this point, you'll notice I have lost myself into multiple rants about multiple topics, but it's. You know, it's a fun it's a fun thing to do. It's I'm I'm glad to, you know, officially have a you know, be a part of some a part of a podcast. I'm and I hope to, you know, help you out, Kevin, and <laughs> help grow this podcast, you know, a, a bit more. But um you know, at the end of the day it, it's fun to talk with other other viewpoints on you know, not just basketball, but any topic, any any type of passion. And I speak I speak as somebody who you know, just, you know, just likes to have fun conversations because, you know, I, I graduated from college, uh, two years ago. No, no, no. Yeah. It's about around two to three years ago, graduated from college. And, you know, that's something, that's something a lot of us miss, uh, from, you know, that there's some stuff about school that sucks, but for me, like getting into the classroom and having discussions with, different viewpoints was enjoyable and you know podcasting 
podcasting reminds me of, you know, college life more or less, just having viewpoints and going back and forth with other people instead of, you know, doing it, you know, through Twitter, because that's what I would be doing. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd rather get it. I'd rather get it out here, uh, get it out to the internet this way than, you know, having people read my poor grammar from time to time. Uh, that's due to, that's due to, uh, autocorrect. I'm, I'm always correct on my. Yeah, blame it on autocorrect. That sounds good. All right. Well, thank yeah, you very much. Right. We're gonna we're gonna keep doing this <laughs> and crank <laughs> it out again and again and again. And hopefully, the Hawks will give us some interesting things to talk about. All right, man. Until next time. Uh, I appreciate it, Kevin. All right. Have a good one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.